Hey everyone, and welcome to Dead Men Roll No Crits. My name is Patrick, and I'm the GM here on this podcast. If you're listening to this for the first time, then welcome to the show. This is a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Uh, we are an officially licensed Paizo partner, and we've gone back a bit in time to play through the 1st Edition Adventure Path with these new 2nd Edition rules through the classic story of Skull and Shackles, the pirate tale on the high seas in the fantasy world of Golarion. Joining me in the escapades week to week aboard the, the pirate ships are four players and friends of mine who are crazy enough to have dove into this story with me. Uh, let me introduce you to Jabert, Rebecca, Seth, and Tyler. How are you guys doing? Great. How are you? Good, good. Uh, so this intro is being recorded for our our open release, our, our wide release of the podcast. But we've been uh, crafting <laughs> the story, these characters, and recording for about a year now um, from, from when this was released. Th that entire time, it's been on our Patreon, our Cosmic Crit Podcast Patreon for for backers there and now we are uh, about seven eight months after those started coming out in 2020 we now have the episodes coming out for free uh how how have you guys enjoyed the podcast so far the the skull and shackles ap you said that you would release me after three months my family <laughs> is starting to get worried no i said uh, three adventure paths at, at the minimum. <laughs> oh. <laughs> gotta, go, gotta go through. We're, we're not even done with one. I thought it was going to be fun, but towards the beginning, uh, Patrick put a a jack into my brain, and he's been pumping Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, a pirate slave for me in it 24-7 <laughs> since this podcast started. So I've entirely lost my mind. I mean, there is a reason this is one of the most popular Paizo adventure paths of all time. The the physical books, I'm sorry to say, are pretty hard to come by as they are no longer in print. Uh, if you're you're looking for them, of course you can buy them digitally through Paizo.com. But yeah, it's it's popular for a reason and it's I, I, as we'll we'll say in the these episodes, you'll, you'll find out this is actually my second time jamming the adventure path. But boy, howdy, is it completely different in second edition. And I'm excited to not only introduce, hopefully, some new listeners with this podcast to second edition, but also to the Adventure Path. So at, Just... at this point of, in the Adventure Path where we are, and you can listen to right now, if you, if you support us at the base level on our, our Patreon, we have at this point, I think, 40 two episodes um, that are out on the Patreon. Uh, if you support us there, you can hear us. We're almost through the end of the second book of the six books in the Adventure Path. But I will say, I just looked at my notes for books one and two, and it's about 250 pages of <laughs> of notes and, and writings. And the, I mean, that's like twice as long as the Adventure Path books are I don't, themselves. I don't think I've written 250 pages in my entire educational career, so that's pretty <laughs> impressive. 
Um, if you do want to listen to more episodes of this, if you like it and you catch up and you want more, we are, like I said, about 40 episodes ahead on the Patreon and you can subscribe and support uh, this podcast and Cosmic Crit, our Starfinder Adventure podcast, uh, by backing us, throwing us a few bucks, a few shillings a, a month. Uh, that's that's going to do it for this, this re-release intro. As you are listening to this, like I said, uh, check us out both at on, on Patreon.com uh, slash Cosmic Crit, as well as on Cosmic Crit.com and dmrnc.cosmiccrit.com that's the dead man roll no crits site anyway uh let, let's get into it um we have a lot more introductions in this episode so uh without further ado uh this is episode zero of a dead man roll no crits Everyone and welcome to the inaugural episode zero of our yet to be named Skull and Shackles podcast. This Woo! is scurvy-ridden GM begging you for an orange or some kind of uh, citrus, please. <laughs> uh, my name is Patrick, and joining me in playing Pathfinder Second Edition are my friends and your players. Say hello in pirate talk to Jabert. Yarg. Next up, alphabetically, is Rebecca. Hello. I don't know what pirates say. Are... <laughs> Avast? Avast. 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 Ahoy. 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 <laughs> uh, following her is our good friend, Seth. Hi, everyone. It's good to be here. Mm, the most piratey of them all. And finally, the sodden barnacle himself, Tyler. I come back from the soaked seas, and my name's Jack Rackham, but I'm not that good at pools, so don't ask. <laughs> oh boy, are we getting one of those every episode? <laughs> I, have, I may have several written out in a document that took oh, many oh, hours. Oh no. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Doing uh, well. We Excellent. might have already been recording for an hour or so <laughs> before this, uh, but I am still extremely excited for the first time that we get to play together again. Yeah. Woohoo! 
I've had, I've had so much rum, I just urinated sugar cane. Oh, gross. Is, is that how that, that works? Really it just painful. turns back into sugar? <laughs> back into sugar cane? I didn't know that was capable from the human body, but I just discovered a whole industry in my system. My just gut is an, an industry of sugar. So to, to, to start this podcast, I wanted to mention from the outset to our listeners, we're going to attempt to keep a PG-13 rating, which I think we just broke with that. No! Thought, right? Are you kidding me? We're going we're gonna to play this similar to Cosmic Crit where we can, but this is going to be slightly more on the teenage side of that 13 rating. The 13 is like 13 years old, right? Yeah. I think that's what that's yeah. supposed to refer to. Yeah. When you can start hearing some curse words. Uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, we're in trying times and I wanted to offer a trigger warning for you all as players, as well as our listeners out there, before you get into the meat of things as there's gonna be violence, there's gonna be murder, there's gonna be torture, depictions of slavery and forced labor, as well as potentially cannibalism and, you know, undead gross things like that. It is not a fun, happy world, the world of pirates, but it's a brutal world that these four intrepid players with their characters are going to step foot into and I hope make a brighter place, maybe make a more fun place. I will say the villains that you guys will meet are going to be brutal. They're going to be evil in kind of the most pure sense of the word. But um, yeah, maybe maybe you're evil too, but maybe you're like the good evil, like the playful evil. I'm whimsically evil. The good pirate. But yeah, this show is, uh, tonight is just going to be an introduction to the world, to the players, but normally is going to be playthroughs and and full recordings of our second edition conversion of the classic Pathfinder Adventure Path, Skull and Shackles. If we play for an hour, that's what you'll hear. If we play for two, that's how long the episode will be. So yeah, I just wanted to take the time here at the start of the episode and thank the sixth player at our table almost every single week, which is going to be our Patreon supporters who have supported us for over a year. And this podcast would not be possible without their support uh, and encouragement. Um, It's not just about the the money you've donated, but that has paid for all of our upgrades and some of the things you're going to see and hear from this podcast. But your encouragement and your words and your engagement with our online community have made a lot of difference and made this possible (laughs) and fun to do. So yes, thank you all. Thank you. Literally every dice that rolled is because of your support. Guys, with that out of the way, I mean, we've already had a whole introductory episode uh, are you guys ready to jump in and start playing? Yar, I am. We're ready. I might be prepared for playing this game. Let's do it. Gather round, ye scallywags, for a tale of old Galerion. Amidst the fever sea and south of the eye of Abendago, we find a listless merchant vessel sticking close to the coast making its way from Oyster K with a fresh hold full of foods and fine hempen wares to sell at market. It is a sunny day, and gathered round the spiced scuttlebutt barrel are a few passengers sharing a tin cup and getting their daily ration. The sea air, thick and musty near the coast, wafts over you, Rebecca, and your character, as an old clipper on the deck of this, this vessel 
lowers its Verisian merchant flag and carefully tucks it into a locked chest. A fellow passenger, a short gnome with a foppish hat and an eye patch, remarks at how excited he is to get to their destination. And when an old mariner hears this behind him, he he scoffs and lets out a low laugh. It's a T-Yon Sean man named Zavi Narcissus who takes his turn at the cup and drinks his full before starting into a long speech. If you yearn for the smell of clean salt air and the sour stench of boiling tar, the desire and the opportunity to fulfill sailors every vice, then ye need look no further than Port Peril. By the nine layers of hell, I think they've invented some vices of their own. So best take caution. You can't trust anyone in that port. And any word given by the free captains only goes so far. Between the thieves of Pike Street, the perfumed doxies of Scrimshaw, the thirsty sailors looking for the nearest cask of rum, you can find yourself battered, shirtless, and broke before you even left sight of the quay. Rebecca, your character here hears this, hears this warning but perhaps these old sailors' words fall on deaf ears. As you've heard these warnings before, they are some of the same warnings your parents would tell you about uh, nearly every port of call on the inner sea and beyond, including your hometown, the dangerous city of Magnamar. Why doesn't this scare your character in the least? She's... She's had some experience being uh, in dangerous situations. In fact, uh, tends to seek them out uh, for the for the challenge, uh, if nothing else. Um, and yeah, I think she's just overcome with excitement at being out of Magnamar and and following in her in her uncle Olivier's uh, footsteps, um, going out on the on the sea. You might outwardly look like a a more refined city girl uh, and fairly young uh, for one of your kind, but you've been training specifically to take on places like Port Peril. Uh, tell us a little bit about your character. And when I say that, we're going back to talk about the ABCs of Pathfinder 2nd Edition character creation. Uh, what does she look like? What does she do? Where, where is she from? Those kind of things. Uh, so she is a half-elf um, and she is from Magnamar. Um, her mother is a cleric in the Temple of Desna. Mm -hmm. And um, Alaris, Alaris, did I say her name yet? Alaris is her Laris. name. <laughs> oh, we are Laris. not going with a name that ends in A, you say. No. What? No, indeed not. I know. Really. Podcast over. I can't I deal with this. Rebecca just broke the internet. You're welcome. Oh. I'm branching out here. Um, yeah, so Alaris um, is a half-elf. Um, she uh, is herself a um, close follower of Desna. Um, her father, on the other hand, was a merchant. Um, mm -hmm. So she's got her, the B, the background, is um, she's a noble. So she is from a, a pretty well-to-do, well-respected family. Yeah, both Magnamar. religiously and economically. You, you're, you're up there in the upper echelons of a trade city. Right. And her parents did the best they could to raise her in in that image. Um, but she's uh, she's broken they, away from that a little bit. They failed miserably as you're the <laughs> exact opposite of what they wanted. Oh, I no. would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Like so which brings us to the C, the ABCC is a mm -hmm. class. She's, so she is a rogue um, and she's the thief subtype of rogue. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I mentioned my Uncle Olivier, um, she, uh, who is, uh, she, this 
this takes place like after she has found out who he really is, right? So she has recently yeah. discovered um, that he apparently was this very famous pirate um, and very uh, well respected, but also feared. Um, uh, and uh, this is news to her. She knew that uh, he was on the sea, and you know, uh, but didn't know a whole lot. Maybe you had a about who he really was. That something you had an inkling of an idea that there was something nefarious going on, but yeah, not that he was vying to potentially become one of the pirate lords of the the shackles. Um, but yeah, that's what brings you to Port Peril, one of the most lawless locales in the Southern Seas. Well, and especially since she believes him or has been told that he is uh, dead, but um, I think perhaps wonders if that's really true, so. Yeah, the ship was potentially run aground and, and sank, but there there was at least one person who made it all the way back to Magnamar to tell your family. And if they survived, maybe maybe your uncle Olivier survived. Uh, while you're rolling into port, why don't you make me a a, a knowledge roll, a society skill check to see what you know of Port Peril beforehand. You've been making your way down the southern coastline and maybe stopped into places like Oyster Cay before. So you might have gathered some information. Uh, that's a 23 on society. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you're trained in that, obviously. Yes, I am. Oh, yeah. I'm trained in a lot of things. <laughs> so, yeah, you've you've learned a great deal on your trip down. The Shackles really isn't like an organized nation like you're kind of used to, um, like the inner sea region. There isn't a lot of, like, connectedness between a lot of the cities. Uh, Port Peril is, I guess, technically the capital, but every island in the Shackles is like its own country, its own pirate lord might rule over them. Um, but yeah, the majority of the money and a lot of the trade comes through Port Peril, so it is the de facto place where the the pirate lord of the Shackles kind of claims as his own. And yeah, it is a fairly lawless city, and you've been warned by people beside this uh, Tian Shan uh, sailor that you've got to watch your purse, and you've got to watch what happens to you in those dark alleys, because the pirate code that is is respected uh, among sailors on the sea, might not make it uh, its way onto shore. Uh, your ship does make it into Port Peril, and uh, from from the top deck, you see a, a bustling metropolis built within a sheltered cove um, atop a massive hill, the backside of which, as you're, you're coming in, you see thousands of small sea caves. There is an, an island um, far off in the distance that you do not pass by, but uh, you, you hear people calling uh, Lucre Hold, uh, and there is a, a large fortress built on top of it that you can, that you're kind of in the shadow of as you disembark from, from your vessel. And from what they say, this is the home of the often absent ruler of the city, a, a pirate of great renown, and supposedly like the, the mayor, the pirate lord of the Shackles. I imagine your character is taking in all the sights, wandering through the city, and you see a number of crazy <laughs> locales, interesting sights, a place called F&M's Exotic Meat Market, where there are creatures offered up you've never heard of before. You pass by an old sea fortress known as Latchman's Folly, and after only subsisting on ship rations and uh, spiced rum, you might find yourself a bit famished and stop in at one of the 
or local easily access from the the, the shipyards uh, a watering hole uh, it is a, a small inn and tap room with a very fairly lurid sign in front of it of a, a busty mermaid uh, with letters carved into the wood naming this establishment the formidably made uh, <laughs> just as Laris <laughs> enters into this bar we see in one of these smoky back corners another interesting looking adventurer sitting alone at a table supposedly alone as they have spent a, a great deal of time here uh, perhaps drinking solo and muttering to themselves, scaring off some of the other people that uh, kind of look in your general direction. Who is this? This is Jabert's character. Jabert, why don't you tell us a little bit about who we see here in the back of this CD pirate bar? Sitting in the sitting in the back, over maybe over in the corner, staring out sort of at the whole crowd, trying to distance themselves from everyone else, is uh, a man with. Uh, uh, tanned skin wrapped in thin leathers uh, who has minor fetishes made of fish bone braided into his hair. Um, he sits there drinking his rummed water or his watered rum. <laughs> What's the, the majority? Right? Yeah. What, what it's is probably that most... mostly water at this point. Yeah. At this bar, yes. At this bar, probably. Um, and in uh, uh, Candoso uh waits uh, silently for uh, someone who he believes may have the herbs that he needs to trade with the, uh, the, the, uh, the good people of Jula in the Sodden Lands. Um, so you, you've got maybe got a, a tip that someone comes through here, perhaps selling these very rare herbs. Yeah. Uh, is that why you're waiting? Maybe by yeah. lonesome? Yeah, right. I'm I'm looking for somebody somebody to walk in who's just got like that that good smell of of fresh herbs upon them. Well, so far uh, it's just it's just been bo and sadness. <laughs> bo and sadness, you say? Yeah. Uh, I will say, Alaris, as she walks in, a, a fairly lithe half elf figure does not look like she is peddling some some uh, some hibiscus and other um, <laughs> savory plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, all of a sudden, as you're looking over her. Your, your eyes kind of turn milky white and th- this world, this bar kind of fades out of existence as you're you're summoned somewhere else and, and you've had these visions, you've been taken with them where you lose track of the world ar- around you in other points of your adventure coming here to Port Peril where they might warn of dangers in your path ahead or kind of help guide your footsteps. So while you've been on this this quest, from the far north, from from Ramadum, these have have pointed your way, and yeah, it's the reason you you came here to to Port Peril, as you have traveled south for hundreds of miles, you know, in, in over months. And this vision is very similar. It's it's one that you realize all at once that you are high above the the ocean, off the coast of this city, uh, which you see beneath you, and you're seen through the eyes of a seabird of some type uh, that is circling over a, a dilapidated ship that is coming into into port. You see its sails broken, kind of lists to one side. There is a, a sea change as in the distance this bird's attention is kind of drawn towards the north where you see a, a storm ready to roll along the, the north edge of the coastline here. And as the bird careens down and makes a circle in the opposite direction, its attention is pointing towards the shoreline 
where a lone green-skinned figure carrying a spear walks south along the coast towards the city. You feel an energy kind of coursing through you as this this vision ends. You kind of contemplate on what you saw. Uh, make me an arcana check. Magical, mystical check. Mm, this should be interesting. Oh, no. <laughs> I have no bonus to arcana. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I should say or occult. Uh, or occult? Either or. Oh. Don't have that either. Uh, oh, 13, no. either way. <laughs> you are playing a a magic class, right? Uh, yeah, none of those. I, Supposedly. I mean, I mean, you could ask me to roll nature. I've got that. Yeah, I was about to oh, say. Yeah. Look at nature-based check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's something kind of interesting to bring up. I can't help but notice that there isn't a wisdom-based magic thing. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe. Weird coming in the player's guy. Anyway, um, yeah. uh, 13 is fine because uh, you've you've experienced these kind of like magical visions before and you're pretty sure they happen when either arcane or divine ley lines kind of in, in the fabric of magic cross paths when, when something important is happening. And yeah, wherever kind of like the gods' powers of ages gone past have marked places or people in this world. Uh, so yeah, you feel that in this vision here, but as you come out of this vision and you're left with a bar uh, around you coming out of your trance, you have the same feeling as you look over at Alaris, at this, this half-elf. And you feel the, the hairs on the back of your neck kind of raise up and these small sparks of static electricity build up there. The same feeling you had when you walked into Port Peril for the first time and the like the barometric pressure around the city was was telling you that a storm was coming. Something about Rebecca's character coming into this bar felt the exact same way. Mm. You, you've never seen her before. You never met her, never had her in a vision. But as you look her over, she's dressed in fine leathers, has a, a scabbard on, on her of a, a cur curved sword. Do you think that Candoso would introduce himself or, or try to, to to see what is happening here? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I think Candoso has uh, learned to trust these instincts. Um, sure. Give me your best pickup line in the bar. Sit in this chair. We will drink rum. We have things to discuss. I, I was That's gonna, how I met my wife, so yeah. I, I was yes. going to say, can, can Dosi do your way to my place, baby? Oh, oh gosh, oh, no. I don't have a place. I have a, I have a piece of leather I strap on a piece of string. It is I <laughs> sleep under that. That's my place. That's um, this is my. Th I hold up a piece of leather. I say, "This is my place." Rebecca, you've been in town for like ten minutes, and already someone's offering to drink with you. I mean, that's great. Uh, the approach was uh, a a little odd. Um, I think Alaris would uh, look him up and down suspiciously, um, but then realize she's tired from the journey and uh, plop down in a chair. Mm. Yes, the eye turns for us all. <laughs> Do you guys introduce yourselves to one another? <laughs> Greetings. My name is Candoso. What is your name? I'm Alaris. Just got here a few minutes ago. Well, Alandris, it's great to meet you. How <laughs> wonderful. Alaris. That was close. That was close to another character's name. <laughs> uh, uh, Alaris. Alaris. Yes, of course. Well, I won't forget that ever again. Good. Uh, what brings you to this fair city, Alaris? 
opportunity and decided to take it. Mm, you cut out for me. Can you, can you say that again? Oh, yeah. Let's just say I saw an opportunity and decided to take it. Mm, opportunity beckons at the most inauspicious of times. There, there's something about this conversation, about this this awkward introduction that you have had. There's some someone in your ear, um, Jabert, in, in Kendosa's ear, telling you to stay close to this one as there's either part of your adventure lying ahead or some kind of danger or both. <laughs> it's just that, that same feeling you get as something important is about to happen. I have decided that you are in danger. <laughs> I will protect you with my life. Oh my. Until this day is done. <laughs> Wear this ring. It is a symbol of how I will protect you. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, we're gonna cut from there because this conversation, any bar conversation can go on for a while. <laughs> and we turn our attention elsewhere in the city uh, because at the same time, uh, right after Alaris's ship uh, came into port, there's another ship that is, is coming into Port Peril, if you can call it that, as it is indeed limping into its, its position in the bay. Uh, it is a ship that is well known in these parts and called derisively the Cursed Phoenix, and indeed slowly creaks its way into the harbor. It is missing its main and its mizzenmast, and about half the hull has cracked and been patched in various places. Uh, as it slowly makes its way to its berth, listening to one side and riding low in the water as its, its bottom decks have flooded, there are about a dozen or so longshoremen and sailors there uh, having a good laugh. Uh, in particular, laughing not so much at the vessel, but at the single sailor on board that is scrambling to to get the ship into port without it uh, falling into the, the bay here. Tyler, tell us, who do we see desperately trying to, to steer the ship into uh, the harbor? Oh, boy. Uh, the person scrambling about deck is um, Cassius Vell, a pirate who... Um, Visually, is wearing some was wearing fine clothes. He wears a um, a colorful jacket with um, you know long sleeves and a um, a wide a wide brimmed hat with all sorts of you know like feathers and adornments on it. Um, These are clothes that would feed a man for a number of months. <laughs> yes, they yes the they clothes do so not much. match the quality of the ship. They've, they they are on two on very two different sides. Um, his sleeves are his sleeves on on both the jacket and the shirt underneath are rolled up, and on his forearms you see um, this. It, it kind of looks like a um, waves that are tattooed on his arms, except the 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 waves move. They actually physically move, and uh, you can even see storms pass, sea creatures rise and fall in the waves um, as they kind of go up his arm and all the way across the front of his body. Uh, are these magic tattoos? These are some pretty wicked, weird tattoos that he's had since. I mean, he's had the tattoos since before his his memory is um, complete. Right. Uh, he comes. Uh, he was rescued. You know, there's a lot to his background. He was rescued mm -hmm. by a family in the Mwangi Expanse, and uh, but doesn't he, remember too much before that, right? No, he was very young when he came to them. Uh, and they they raised him up to the point where he was about 19 or 18 19 years old when he he uh, left and when, when he when he took control of this ship uh, which is um, kind of his stepfather 
was a shipwright and was able to fix it up. But it has been fixed and wrecked many times over since then. <laughs> and uh, uh, as and, for the sea... You've, you've sailed and you've lost several crews, including your most recent one. Yeah, this isn't the first time he's been, like, laughed into port. Uh, that's kind of the sound he is most used to when arriving, uh, as he has had many failed uh, expeditions into the sea, especially the Eye of Abendigo. And uh, as for the sea, well, he's a he's a swashbuckler. Ooh, the new class. Yeah, yeah. And you and you see him. He's very typically pirate, like pirate armed to the teeth. He has a bandolier of throwing knives. He has a short sword and a hatchet that hang off his hip. And uh, tucked into the front of his belt is even a is even a fan uh, that he likes to pull out when he's when he's rambling or when he is telling tall tales. He pulls the fan out to uh, keep himself cool. I'm trying not to laugh myself at this character. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like these these stevedores are, are having a good guffaw at your finery and the juxtaposition of this ship that is uh, in complete disrepair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looking around this ghost ship where, you know, there, you've had crew die and fled from it before. Um, uh, are you one of the sailors of the, of the Shackled Sea who is familiar or has worshipped the, the pirate goddess Besmara? Oh, for sure. I mean, every pirate who is worth anything is at least pays some tribute to Besmara. Most uh, every know. pirate is superstitious, but there are some yeah. that are actually like religious. Oh, he he is superstitious with Besmara. He's not like <laughs> okay. religiously affiliated with Besmara. Are, are you trained at all in the religion skill? No. Uh, give me a roll. Um, you don't have to be for for this base one, but there is uh, a simple kind of um, aphorism, a prayer that you offer up when when leaving a, a ship that you, you want to return to. Yeah, uh, 17. Uh, right, so looking around and, and you kind of remember it from maybe some other sailors you've uh, you've worked with before, but it's uh, fairly simple where you say, I'm going to fight for plunder, fame, and glory and earn my place among the legends of the sea next time I step foot on this deck. Uh <laughs> saying that and you're you're steeled a bit as you walk off the the gangplank here past this gang of men who are guffawing and wheezing that while their their sides are split yeah he he mocks laughs back at them just like oh ha, 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 yes uh, very funny <laughs> uh, one of them kind of quells the crowd and says Oh, not thought I'd be lucky enough to see the Driftwood Pirate with my own peepers. Tell us, old Seafoam, how'd you come about wrecking the ship this time? It weren't my fault, really. I had a, a bad helmsman and a terrible wind. And, uh, well, not all nautical maps have rocks where they should be, and oftentimes they have rocks where they not be. <laughs> and where's your crew? They'll bugger off with your mainsail? Ah, my crew be elsewhere inhabited perhaps in the stomach of several fish. There's a, a, a dwarven longshoreman here who kind of admonishes the crowd, gathered to mock you, and he says, well, methinks that all y'all are a tad harsh on the lad here. I'm I'm sure the loss of his crew and vessel has, has paid dividends on this trip, and he's finally come back with <laughs> Goddess Besmara's hairbrush or whatever fool notion he was out there looking for. <laughs> ah, yes. Keep laughing, but when was the last time you all set sail for something worth more than petty silver or coin? Well, what else we need besides gold in our pockets? 
they will walk off just like arm in arm having a good time making fun of you like this is the highlight of their Sarenrith this entire month you know <laughs> they're having a, a good time thank you Tyler oh, um, you're welcome as you said uh, Cassius has faced this ridicule in Port Pill before as you've got a bit of an albatross around your neck as being unlucky and the last time you went out with the the ship it took months to scrape together funds and crews to to repair and crew your vessel uh, after it was kind of crashed on some rocks. Uh, but yeah, taking a look back at the ship now, you're sure you're going to have to save and plunder for over a year to to get this thing back back seaworthy. Or lie to one really rich person. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> thousands of thousands of gold to to repair a ship to get it. To get it working, and then you know if you're gonna pay people <laughs> to to crew it, uh, uh, they they don't work for free. They they've got to trust I... you that they're they're gonna make money from from a vessel uh, from a voyage. Well, they make a certain type of money when they sail with me. <laughs> you have a lot of work ahead of you, but in times like this, there's one thing that you like to do, which is go to your favorite bar, the formidably made, and have a drink. Um, and it just so happens to be the closest bar to where you uh, have set foot here in Port Peril. Uh, so, yeah, you cross the block and enter this establishment. As at the same time! On a beach right outside of the city, right outside of Port Peril, we see a pair of clawed feet propelling a scaled figure towards the city. Is a single set of clawed footprints in the sand as we see a fairly simply dressed uh, figure carrying a small pack and intricate spear. Uh, Seth, tell us a little bit about your character. I've saved the best for last, my friend. Man, yeah. Don't put that on me, Pat. No pressure. <laughs> don't put that voodoo on me. <laughs> uh, no, you you see a uh, a traveler, uh, a, a an Iruxi, a lizard folk uh, uh, of the the Ahawati uh, tribe, uh, also known as the Saltfoot. Uh, he takes on more of a crocodilian cast, a longer snout. So uh, at little, home in the ocean. Yes, uh, very used to being on the coast uh, very very adept with uh, salt water mm -hmm. um, and, and as you described very very simply dressed uh, uh, nothing in the ways of armor uh, a, a pack that is kind of situated directly above his thick tail and uh, a spear which doesn't look so much like a weapon as more like a tool used for hunting. Right. Uh, so not as ostentatious as Tyler Scotty character, you say? Probably just about the opposite. <laughs> Whoa. Shots fired. Yeah, and they look fairly capable, fairly able to defend themselves. Um, am I correct? Well, yeah. I mean, you might look at the stature of this individual and figure that the spear is probably the least of your worries. Oh, yeah. The spear is just for, for fishing every once in a while. But yeah, as we see you striding forth in the sands here, you find washed ashore, dried sand dollars, seaweed, and before long come upon a scene that looks like it has in the past seen a great deal of activity. There's an emptied and upturned chest that lies on its side, half sunken into the sand, uh, rusted and kind of battered by the waves from what you can tell it looks like months, if not years. 
And it's open? Uh, yes, is is open. There might be some some buildup of seaweed, and maybe as you go up to inspect it, uh, a crab or two kind of like scuttles out of the, the shade it's providing. Mm. Um, but yeah, as, as you're walking past, maybe investigating this, this oddity, uh, give me a perception check. Oh, I can do that. That's right. It's located not where all the other skills are. <laughs> No, don't oh, look for the skills. Oh, no. It's better than skills. Oh, that's a bad roll. Uh, that'd be a 10. Yeah, you don't see it right away, but as you maybe finish walking around this thing, uh, you realize that one of your footstep has kind of upturned something besides sand um, hmm. as uh, there is a, a small piece of metal kind of sticking out of the surf here. Uh, and leaning down to kind of inspect it before your clawed hand reaches out for it, you see that it is a a flat uh, disc, a silver coin uh, that has kind of uh, etched on it a symbol that gives you pause, gives you immediate pause. Uh, as imprinted on the coin, as you maybe pick it up and wipe away the sand, is a symbol that you've come specifically to Port Peril to seek out. Uh, it is one that has been on several pirate flagpoles you've seen on, on ships in in the, the bay along the shoreline. It is an image of a golden crown topped with skulls. Hmm. And indeed, you have traveled a long way from the sodden lands to the north in order to seek out something that is sacred to your tribe that was taken long ago. The elder of your tribe, Matia, sent you south to seek out those responsible for plundering your shore. And this is the symbol that uh, that you were given to kind of guide you on this uh, this quest. Yes. Um, upon seeing the symbol on the coin, his first instinct is to toss it back into the sand. But wisdom prevails. He figures he might be able to utilize it in some way, so he secrets it away. And that's that's plus one yeah. silver piece to you, my friend. Hey, <laughs> take them where you can get them. Yeah, that is. You realize that as maybe as much as that symbol disgusts you as it is indeed a pirate symbol minted probably in the the, the place that you're you're headed to it is um, it is valuable uh, it is it can be traded for for goods or services and being an outsider from the city you might need to enlist aid in in your quest mm-hmm. you speak common but probably not your Ruxi might be your first language so absolutely. <laughs> And yeah, as, as you, as Honto, your your character makes their way into Port Peril, you realize that this is very true. As you get a number of stares from people uh, entering the city, um, the humans here, you know, of probably have fear or trepidation, um, as well as a respect for lizard folk, and. They have heard tales of the warriors of the Turwal lords to the north. And while you have nothing to do with them, you know, as they look on you, they, you can see in their eyes equal parts fear and hatred and like every negative emotion in between. There's some people that kind of like give you a wide berth as, as you walk down the street here. But also a lot of people that look on you, they look on your muscles, the weapon on your back. And they are they are afraid to to tangle even with a a single uh, ling- lizard folk. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, as, as you're walking, for some reason, uh, you get a feeling, and and you stop in the middle of the street, and for just for a moment, everything goes dark, and you're looking at the night sky above you, where before it was still a, a setting sun. The the street empties out, and 
you, you kind of get a, a, an image in the heavens of a, a star constellation, something that seems to have pointed your way towards Port Peril in your journey before as you've as you've walked. And it's just for a moment, as soon as you snap back, you notice that you are, are standing in front of an establishment known as the Formidably Made. Um, but as soon as you snap back into this this scene here, the, the first thing you notice in the street is the people keep, they, they do not care for this city as there are things rotting in the streets. There's puddles of swill and other fetid water kind of collecting and, and giant swarms of mosquitoes over them. Uh, you think of the swamp from which you came as being maybe a little backwater, be, being a little um, in need of improvement, but this city is much less clean, which which kind of does not grok with the stories you heard of the humans of the Soddenlands, the Lurgani, who were supposed to be this advanced, this very clean, beautiful, advanced nation. The humans of Port Peril seem to be disgusting by comparison. I'll agree with that. <laughs> what what does Honto think about uh, his first impression of of the the pirate capital? Hmm. Um. I think there's probably some sort of uh, illusion he makes between the way they behave and the way that they live. Um, it's it's not it's not entirely unexpected. Um, and kind of as a side note, he thinks about how much nature takes care of back where he's from and how they've forsaken that here. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of laws as you walk down the street. There are people performing carnal acts in full view of of the window. They did not close the curtains. Hmm. Um, as I mean, well that, as that, that's probably uh, that's probably on par. <laughs> yeah, uh, they have no shame here, but the the shame that they do have is they seem, like I said, to look on you with equal parts fear and trepidation. But as you look inside this bar, you see a uh, a full green skinned orcish man uh, being served right at the the counter there. And it, it puts you at ease, perhaps a little bit, as you you enter maybe for a drink. As you're kind of like walking towards the entrance, say a pirate walks out of the bar, uh, a salty sailor who says, uh, "Oh, a long-tailed one! Uh, there's free food and drink inside for those who sing a song to the sea." Cruise Hall came in and they opened up three casks of wine and beer from the north, taken from a chalice transport. It's on the house. He'll walk off drunk and into the night as the sun does begin to set on Port Peril here and you have not had anything outside of, of trail rations in some time. Uh, as you enter the establishment, as you walk inside and night settles, you see now the four of you are here and uh, alongside you are dozens uh, of other people inside the formidably made. As there's a large carousing group of sailors in the, the middle of the bar, kind of plying people with wine and stories and shared crudités of, of meat, bread, and cheese. There's songs to be sung. There are is dancing. There's entertaining amongst small groups here. And people can begin to filter in from outside uh, to partake with them. At this point, there's little but standing room as locals and sailors um, come to share in this this free meal, this free booze. Uh, so for Honto, there's a, a single table in the, the back of the bar where already sit a few humans and a, a woman of elvish ancestry. The four of you get to sit together awkwardly for a moment, as that is the only space left. Who is the first to break the ice? 
amongst the four of you? Well, it would probably be Cassius. Are you already like mid-story as as Hanto walks up? Probably. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. He would. Be, he tells. He loves to tell tales. Um, oh, and Alaris loves to hear tales, so she's enraptured. So he'd be telling. <laughs> Wonderful. He, he'll say, "Joy, feel free to join us, Long Tail. I was just recalling the story of the of three-footed Haki and his." Misfortune as a pirate's boatswain. And Doso looks just disconsolate that he's promised to stay in this bar as long as uh, 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 Hilaris. Hilaris does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like, just oh, like, no. just absolutely. It's like it's filling up and just, just absolutely miserable. I can't get away from this guy, can I? <laughs> right, right. And then, and then this, like, and this, this fancy, this fancy boy comes in and sits down next to this fancy person I've agreed to hang out with, and it's just, oh man, I'm just, I'm just. And as soon as, and as soon as this lizard man walks in, I'm just like, oh thank God, oh thank God, a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, a very normal individual with a you know good broad snout, uh, exactly, glinty <sighs> eyes underneath a brow. I, I was about to say. Uh, uh, Kendoso and Honto, as, as you sit next to each other, you both got some well-worn spears kind of like at your side you have to take off as you sit and very simple clothing. So uh, yeah, it, it seems like both sides of this table perhaps have uh, a great deal in, in common with one another. Uh, I, pull some, I pull some wax out of my ear and I offer it <laughs> to Honto. Oh, cool. Lions what? No, what, like, 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 no, like, like, a, like an earplug. Oh, okay, <laughs> that makes more sense. Like a candle wax, like candle wax. Yeah, Cassius wouldn't even notice any of this. He actually, he's, he's got his fan out and he's fanning himself. But when Honto sits down, he starts fanning Honto because he just come in from outside and he's like, he's like, I'll, I'll get you cooled down, long tail. <laughs> as I, as I tell you, as I continue this story, and uh, when, when Kendoso isn't looking, he just keeps like refilling his his grog glass just to help him get a little bit more drunk. <laughs> Why um, doesn't this end? Oh. At, uh, to, to get to roundabout back to it, though, uh, at Cassius's uh, invitation, uh, uh, Hunter will just kind of, he looks lost, absolutely. Like, like he, he has no idea where he is, essentially. He's, he's looking out for things that he can grasp onto that make sense to him. And uh, he'll take the invitation and he'll say, thank you. But I'll admit, I only understood about half of what you said. <laughs> Please speak slower. Even those who speak common <laughs> right well might not know what half I say because of half what I say. I don't know what I say until I say it. Uh, he just kind of leans forward <laughs> intently and then just kind of slowly nods. If you partake in their, their libations, it is like 90% water from what you're compared to like the Aruxi alcohols is like hard uh, grain milled like liquor mm. and uh, this is very watery beer or even you know a very fruity light uh, tasting on the palate wine mm. um, but yeah this is what people like hydrated with back in the day <laughs> there was not water to drink there was alcohol with water to to, to kill yeah. the germs and what have you but yeah, you you think uh, Honto could probably drink like fifty of these <laughs> before uh, before like five normal uh, lizard folk drink. Right. Um, as you guys are are talking and and uh, spending some hours here together, the, these rowdy pirates begin to just bar bar brawl, and they buy multiple rounds for the in, in, entire congregation here so there's there's well-spiced foods that kind of like circulate and and you're allowed to to dip your hands into tapenada and mash root dips um 
there is uh, cured fish, hard crackers, things like that to dip in. And eventually, once they get through these these barrels that they've brought in, they buy a huge cask of fortified mulled wine. And this is like the serious stuff. And begin to pour uh, smaller glasses for the entire bar and, and pass it around to everyone. Uh, a very steely-eyed human pirate with a, a long, dark beard uh, comes to the back of the bar where you guys are with a, a pitcher and some wooden cups, you know, smaller wooden cups. But uh, he says to you all, uh, We pray to Besmara for riches beyond the thought of mortal men. And we made our sacrifices upon the seas to the north of the eye. Captain made us throw every last scrap of gold and silver we had into the sea. And we were blessed with her favor, as we're all now filthy rich. Share with me now a cup in her name to save offense at not sharing our fortune with those stuck on land. Will you drink with me? Will you drink with me to... Besmara. Aye, just as soon as you show me on me map where you threw all the, the, the gold and the plunder over the ship. I just want to know so I can sail my ship there myself and throw additional gold and wealth in there. There is a dagger produced from his belt before you <laughs> even finish that stabs down on the table on your uh, very simple map of the shackles. Uh, north of, of the main archipelago, uh, near the storm, uh, as he starts pouring and passing out glasses. Well, I'd be quite familiar with that area. Yeah. Is everyone feeling free and, and loose enough here to to offer a uh, a prayer to the, the goddess of piracy, Besmara? Oh, for sure. I'll drink to the eye, indeed. Hunter will decline. This is like, if you smell it, it is like a powerful liquor. It is not some of the watered-down stuff. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> question as as a follower of desna would it be it, it like is it okay to say prayers to besmara as well or is yeah. that like sacrilegious to she's not one of the i mean she's like a i guess desna is kind of like an a squad god like main pantheon and besmara is she doesn't want to be part of the cool kids club she's fine being on the edges being on the outside of the pantheon if that makes sense so she's um, as free spirit as both of these goddesses are. I think you'd be pretty sure that'd be fine. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, I think at the very least, um, Alaris would would definitely partake, if only in the spirit of of pirates and life on the sea, mm -hmm. and uh, not necessarily um, for Besmara uh, herself. Uh, Honto, this this uh, salty sea dog, fills your cup and pushes it in front of you and says, "Do good, long tail, to have a drink with a, a pirate." You could say that <laughs> to Besmara. He'll tilt his his glass back, and the rest of you can as well. I throw back my glass and then I say, oh, I've been meaning to ask everyone, what is alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> oh, tomorrow's not going to be good for condos. <laughs> uh, yeah, and as you guys partake and, and maybe drink some of the lighter beer, eat some of the food, there are a few bare knuckle brawls, some of them sanctioned, some of them um, just uh, sporadically popping up throughout the, the evening as... Uh, you know, dwarven patrons kind of get into a, a row at the back. There's a scene of passionate kissing between two long separate, uh, separated Varesian dancers who have s spent a year apart. You see their reunion before them. Uh, sea shanties are, are sung to the tune of, of classic standards to the point where even if you don't know their, these new songs, you know the bass line and can kind of like sing along with them. 
um, the words changed ever so slightly, but still like this this tune that almost everyone in this area has kind of like come to know if you spent any time near a ship. Uh, and as the bar continues to fill, after a while your senses, your better judgment maybe become overwhelmed throughout the evening. Um, why doesn't everyone make me a, a sense motive check? And that's going to be with perception, kind of overviewing the the way the other three here at your table are acting. Just tell me what you get. Uh, Cassius has a 23. Alaris has a 19. Hanto has a 9. Oh my. Ooh, Hanto. Uh, a 16 for Candoso. Uh, so I think, yeah, indeed, you had the highest, Rebecca, with uh, Alaris. Oh, not no, even Tyler close. did. Oh, sorry, Tyler. Tyler, you you realize that these three cannot hold their liquor at all as they begin <laughs> slurring words and even even Honto, who has not like drank nearly half as much as a a half elf uh, woman. I'm sorry, but someone of much lesser bulk <laughs> has drank. He seems to be, you know, like mumming around and almost knocks over a glass here at the table and yeah even even you seem to be succumbing to the ale a little bit as things get a little out of focus and, and your actions are becoming dulled the edges of your vision going going blurly uh, a little blurry blurly is probably the word he would use <laughs> they're blurred my vision's becoming a little blurry y'all are looking a little samey uh, is anyone trained in Arcana or craft alchemy? I, I am trained in Arcana. Why don't you make me a roll? Oh no, spice drink. Ooh, not great. That's a 10. Yeah, there's, I mean, you've drank and ate a lot here, but uh, even while you are becoming extremely inebriated, there is a, a single taste on your palate that is kind of clogging up uh, everything you taste and uh, you try to wash it down with beer or, or you know, put some 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 salt and meat on on your tongue to get it away but it keeps coming back the taste of nutmeg kind of clogging up that palate and you realize that not everything should taste like this but it's at that point as you guys are making your way towards the end of the evening you see multiple people just kind of sleeping it off around the bar as things die out near 2 a.m uh why don't you all make me a fortitude roll uh a save to see how you do good my best Thing. Yep, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you get, Tyler? Six single digits. Woo! Oh, everyone else? Uh, 11 for Candoso. 20 oh. for Olaris. And a 19 for Hanto. Oh, He's very good at holding his liquor. Thank you. <laughs> good as you might be, I think I might give you a little bit of a bonus here as you did not partake in the, the hard spiced rum. Uh, but yeah, everyone feels their body just kind of dropping away from them. The fringes of your vision going dark, and it doesn't seem to be slowed by by stopping drinking uh, here. Honto kind of feels it the least, but uh, it seems like a, a slowly onset thing that rolls over you like you have been drinking. You kind of reach maybe for a stein of, of their very watered-down wine to wash this taste of nutmeg out of your mouth, but your hand fumbles at the handle and is... As you kind of tip this this uh, container over, spilling wine onto the table, you uh, you soak the head of a sleeping Candoso who's already passed out, face lying in a in a bowl of just hapanada, just like flat flat down. Yeah, you're snoring into a guacamole dip at yep. this point. <laughs> at that point, Cassius is probably 
I'm doing the same. He looks at Kendall's and was like, and that is that is what alcohol is. Right there. Uh, as you pass out, Tyler, I, I right, uh, right, right, right next to me in the same bowl of guacamole. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, our, yeah, our ears are just touching as we're just side by side. Oh my gosh. There's a uh, one of the sailors uh, who's been providing free booze for everyone throughout the night kind of walks over to you all and uh, and looks you all over. It's very clean cut looking human male seems to have been abstaining most of the evening. Uh, he wears a, a pressed and clean jacket. He's completely bald, save for a, a long ponytail extending from the crown of his head, uh, about as long as his his arm, and it's it's banded and oiled, so it's a very well-kept ponytail, uh, smelling heavily of musky perfume. He looks you all over and sees most of you are passed out and is seemingly sizing you up, Honto. Um, your head is is fogging as, as he says back to one of his crewmates and says, This one's a fighter. The rest of them are pretty scrawny, but any port in a storm, am I right? Grab his belongings and get him ready to move. Uh, Honto still is technically up right now. What what do you what do you make of this as uh, everyone else is unconscious and, and this guy comes up to you? First off, my class isn't fighter. How dare you? What are you? <laughs> uh, Honto is indeed a monk. Um, and uh, it sounds like they're getting ready to kidnap this group or, or take this group of, of, the, of people at the table he's at, himself included. Sure. Well, what would your reaction be if, if Honto realizes that? <clears throat> um, fairly extreme, I would say. Uh, so uh, he's going to, uh, in an attempt to catch him before he finishes uh, kind of relaying this information to, to his, his team, uh, Hanto's going to try to catch him off guard and, and grab him uh, by the throat if he can manage, if if his legs cooperate. Uh, yeah, make me an attack roll. All right. What? First attack roll of the show. Ooh. That's an eight. <laughs> Oh, you love it when the story and the roles come together. <laughs> as as you stand up, uh, you you do feel balance at first, but as soon as you try and get your bearings, your inner ears completely off. It feels like you're standing back on your tail. As you go and, and grasp for him, you realize he's actually like five feet further away than you thought, and you like reach out at at the empty air. And before you know it, um. You are looking at the ceiling of this establishment, and the last thing you remember from the ground is a very murky face smirking over you as you just struggle to cling to this reality, to this body. It sounds far off. It sounds like a, a voice from a, a dream, half-remembered, but is that same pirate's voice who says, Nighty-night, dearie. Wait till we see what we've got in store for you. But that is a story for another time. That is it for this week's episode. Woo! Episode no. zero of the show. <laughs> Everyone, we're going to find out what and when and where you regain consciousness on next week's episode, a.k.a. episode number one. Uh, thank you all for playing with me. Thank, thank you. you, Patrick. Thank Patrons thank out there, thank you for your support. And we'll see you back here next time. Farewell, me hearties. Farewell. Ahoy. Farewell. Her. May the winds blow ye well.
Dead Men Roll No Crits is sponsored by the Cosmic Crit Patreon. Each episode is published to the public on a seven to eight month delay. To catch up on the show and get access to new episodes on initial release, make a monthly pledge on the Cosmic Crit Patreon page.